0: Well, happy election day, folks. <laughs> so a in my ear. <laughs> when plug. you're listening to this, we will have either the same
1: president <laughs> or a different one.
0: Okay. Also, um,
1: it's not but- election day because that was, first of all, yesterday. And second of all, we have to stop giving days in the recording because we do this every time. And then we're like, matter, anyone could listen to this on any day of any week. Every day is election day because every
0: day you should be fighting for your country and serving your people. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. No election will ever save us. We're in this together, people.
1: I hate this so
0: much. Okay. Anyway, hey, what's up, everyone?
1: Welcome what's back up, to the everyone? Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. It is episode freaking nine. That means we've been doing this for almost two months, dude. Uh, I'm crying. two months with our like five fans, hundred Instagram Stop followers. playing five fans because we for sure have more no, than that now. No, no, I used to say three fans now I
0: say five. so okay, yes. I get yeah. that. So two yeah. per month. Um, two per month. we've, plus we've grown one. a lot. yes, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, no. um, it's been a great time developing this podcast genuinely i'm gonna be completely honest did not expect to come this far
1: no me neither i'll be honest too i thought it was gonna be like a three episode thing i'm like i got lazy but But it's because of you guys for being interested in what we have to say this is true so shout out to the fans episode nine of unfiltered mm-hmm. welcome back we have a what we have a very exciting guest on the podcast with us today who we will be introducing after we do our question for queens yeah um it is guest number three which is super exciting for us so yes. if y'all want to be on the podcast hit us up because we're going strong
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay so i'll just go over the question then so
0: just to refresh everyone's memory, I will reread the question. It's kind of long, but just bear with me. Suppose you are visiting an island with knights who always tell the truth. Tr- truth? <laughs> the truth. Knaves who always lie and jokers who can do either. You meet three islanders named Ellis, Farron, and Gobi. They all know what the others are, a knight, knave, or joker, and make the following statements. Ellis says Farron is a joker. Farron says, Gobi is a joker. Gobi says, Ellis is a joker. If exactly one of them is a joker, how many of them are knights? So the answer for the question is that one of them is a knight. So let's walk through this, okay? (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs) Say Ellis. Say that Ellis is the joker. Because Gobi claimed that Ellis was the joker, Gobi must be a knight since he is telling the truth and since there is exactly one joker. This means that Farron must be a knave since he claimed that Gobi is a joker, which would be false in this scenario, which means he is lying and is therefore a knave. You can do the same scenario with any of the characters and you get the same answer that only one of them is a knight.
1: How many times do you think you said Ellis, Farron, and Gobi in the past like two
0: minutes? I don't know, but (laughs) I definitely like those names and I'm writing them down on my cool name list. Please name your child Gobi. No, ima- okay, Gobi is like a dog <laughs> name, but imagine being called Farron, dude. Is that Imagine a girl or a guy having it's unisex. Imagine okay. being this hot. Okay, whatever. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with calling your child hot because they are a product of you. Okay. Whatever. All right. Topic for debate. Topic respect, for debate.
1: Respect. Let us know what you think. <laughs> Moving forward. <laughs> okay, so I am gonna be asking you guys this. Uh, this week's question for queens which is way less wordy you're welcome (laughs) we realize that you probably don't want to listen to us talk for like five minutes straight as we tell you um a question so here we go okay there is a marble inside of a glass bottle how do you take out the marble without breaking the bottle or removing the cork from the bottle yeah all right cool that was it that was easy (laughs) (laughs) it's not too difficult people It's not too difficult. Just think outside the box. This is another one of those real interview questions that people do get asked. So it's a good practice to start thinking about it and to think outside the box. So I don't know. Let us know in the comments on our Instagram if you figured it out or any other place. And yeah. Thanks, everyone. I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest for this week. So yay, Chevron. Apparently we only have Chevron people on <laughs> on this podcast, um, but that's because they're awesome. So anyways, our guest this week is McKinley Neubauer, who is one of my really close friends. I actually interned with her um, my first summer at Chevron, um, and then she has been there for a little over a year now, full time. Um, but she went to the Colorado School of Mines and majored in materials and metallurgical engineering and then graduated in 2018. And then, as I said, she's currently working at Chevron, but as a materials engineer. So we are not in the same department, but we still hit each other up. Um, And then just a little, oh gosh, I was going to say a little fun fact, Chevron's getting to me.
2: (laughs) Please don't. (laughs) We don't have to go through this.
1: So, um, and then outside of work, uh, McKinley loves to embroider and is currently using her free time to make Christmas presents for people. Um, So... That's cool because I have tried to embroider and, well, can you saw the one that I did? I thought it was really good. Okay. I thought it was great. No, no. It was just, yeah. Okay.
0: Anyway, welcome, McKinley. It is so awesome to have you on the podcast. Welcome.
2: Thank you, guys. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is so no exciting.
0: problem. Wow. I'd love to see your embroidery sometime, but.
2: Oh, I'll send you, I'll send you way too many pictures of it. I uh, think <laughs> my sisters are tired of seeing my progress. <laughs> Okay. Please. Also, so don't fiction, worry.
1: Kim, can you, um? <gasps> that should just be the name of this episode. Just Michaela McKinley and McKinley. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: love it. Okay. Back everyone. When I first met Michaela, I think you should all know by now that we love puns. We love alliteration or not yeah. when I first met Michaela. Sorry. When I first met McKinley, I thought it was the funniest like I thought I was the funniest person in the world because her name is McKinley Michaela's name is Michaela thanks for clarifying so then
1: I was like should I just be called McKimberly (laughs) because McKinley came to visit us at at UC Irvine and Kim I swear like two days straight before McKinley got there she was like wait so should I like introduce myself as McKimberly or like would that be messed up
2: I would have died. We would have been instant friends, kids. Not that we were already, but like even more so. Uh,
0: I should have done it, but
1: I got too nervous because I was like, oh no, I don't want her to think I'm like making fun of her. Just-. Dude, that's gonna be that's gonna be the way back Wednesday for after this episode's out. I'm gonna find that video yeah. I have of you saying that and laughing good. and post it on Instagram. Anywho, good
0: memories though. Um so just like to get into the swing of things, you know, we this is a podcast about women in STEM. I'm um, a podcast
1: and about women. A podcast about women, in, podcast STEM. About women in STEM.
0: So, if you could tell us how did you got how did you got into <laughs> Jesus Christ? How did you get into engineering and why did you do so?
2: Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I feel like it's a pretty stereotypical answer, but I got into engineering because I was good at math and science. Um, when I was growing up, all of my family and friends told me that I should be like a doctor. Um, Mm -hmm. except if you know anything about me, I'm like super squeamish. So that was just automatically out the window. Um, so then as a backup, it was like, Oh, well, what about engineering? Um, and I didn't really give it much thought until my sophomore year of high school. Uh, my chemistry teacher was an absolute badass. We're allowed to cuss on this, right? Oh Yeah. yeah.
0: This is unfiltered.
2: Okay. Okay, good. (laughs) Yeah. So my high school chemistry teacher was an absolute badass. And she had been an engineer in industry before leaving to raise a family and um, became a teacher. And so Mm -hmm. she really sparked my interest in chemistry and then really encouraged me to go into engineering. Um, Also, my grandma was another badass woman. Um, She was a queen. Oh, absolute queen. Um, (laughs) She built or helped build the house that my mom grew up in. Hell yeah. Um, And, you know, I like to think if she had been raised in a different time, she would have been an engineer. Yeah. Um, But, you know, going to school in the 50s, people didn't really love the idea. Not so much. Not so much. (laughs) So they were really my role models um, and kind of the reason of why I became an engineer. What an inspiration. I love grandmas. Oh, she's the best. Okay, so follow-up question.
1: It hasn't, like, you You only graduated in 2018. I know we inter- interned together one summer, but um, it wasn't that long ago. But you no, seem it to be, yeah, it se- you seem to be, like, fairly settled, at least at Chevron from what I see, and are, like, definitely into the swing of things and all that kind of stuff. So I know you haven't been out of school all that long, um, but you've definitely built, it seems like, at least, uh, like, a solid foundation for your career now at Chevron, since you've been there for about a year and a half now at this point right yep yeah so do you have because kim and i like we i don't feel like we're or at least me especially in the industry don't feel like i'm i'm qualified enough to give advice to people beginning their careers because i've literally been in my starting my career for three months um so do you have any advice for any young engineers that are just beginning to enter the workforce and beginning their careers since you kind of still have that view of still just out of college but a good foundation, um, within your career?
2: Yeah. So one thing that my dad always told me when I was growing up and I always kind of, well, I never really listened to him, Mm -hmm. um, was you, there's a good chance you will not be everyone's favorite in the room. You will not be the smartest person in the room. Um, there's a long list of things that you can't control, but one thing you can control is your work ethic Mm -hmm. and how hard you work. Um, and so that would be really my, suggestion is to go into your new job and just work as hard as possible. Um, I'm not like saying work crazy hours, you know, I'm not telling you to be a good employee, you need to work like 60 hours. Right. But just put in the time, put in the effort, try and learn as much as possible within that first really six months. I mean, you learn throughout your entire career, but really work to understand what, you know, industry you're in, the company you work for understanding people and how they operate um, can really go a long way. Mm-hmm. And then if, if you haven't even gotten a job offer yet, I would really focus on not giving into the pressure of, I have to find the best job mm-hmm. uh, or the perfect job. Mm-hmm. Um, because what I've learned is you need to find a place where you can stand the work, but you love the environment you're in. Right. You know, that's how I ended up at Chevron was um, I lost my grandma the one who encouraged me to be an engineer the summer I was interning Mm -hmm. and my boss not only helped me get the time off to go to the funeral, but also when I got there, there was a beautiful arrangement from our team. Uh, And I'd known them for like five weeks at this point. And so, yeah, I realized that Chevron wasn't just a place of business. It was a family Mm -hmm. and that was something that I wanted, which really helped me pick um, where I'm going for. So
1: yeah. Wait, wait. Okay, something you said earlier really struck me because you said that, um, like, you should ask as many questions as you possibly can and really try to understand the industry you're in and the workplace and all that kind of stuff. And I 100% agree. Trust me, I think I've talked all my teammates' ears off with all my questions. They're probably so annoyed with me, but I think that's like so so important because um, a lot of okay, we were talking about this in another episode, Kim, um, that people often feel like there's a transition when you're coming from high school to college. That there's like a rude awakening when you get your first B or first C if you come from high school to college with like high grades because just you know you have those high expectations but an A in high school is not the same as an A in college you know and so I think it's similar in the sense that people come in feeling like they have to know all of this stuff and have a certain expectation from themselves for themselves but so often at least from what I've learned in interning and then even just working now that like mostly what you learn in school a lot of times it's not actually going to be that applicable in industry so you have so much to learn so like you can't come in thinking you know everything because you have this degree you know um, like you you need to ask those questions and i found that like is so true because i think for me what i've what i learned in school was that's been the most applicable is like how to think like critical thinking how to interact with people and all that kind of stuff rather than like the actual material you know and i'm sure that depends on your industry and your actual job but i feel like a lot of people go in thinking they should know everything because they have this, they spent four years studying that topic, you know, but like, God, there's so freaking much to learn. Yeah. <laughs> Literally going to be learning forever. So.
2: Oh, exactly. And Michaela, I'm sure you've heard this at Chevron. They have this saying of, if you don't know the answer, it's totally okay to say you don't know and I'll right. get back to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've actually gotten in, myself in trouble with my boss um, <laughs> because I was saying, I don't know anything too much. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she was like you and, <laughs> yeah she called me into her office and she goes mckinley you have to stop saying you don't know anything you have to give yourself more credit you
1: know okay. things well that's the other side too is like sometimes people come in that way too and then like because they lack they lack that self-confidence you know exactly yeah sometimes you do need you, there's a balance between being being able to fight like be bu- vulnerable enough to ask the questions but also having enough self-confidence to not think you know anything especially as a woman in STEM too because you you have to find that balance because it's really hard because I feel like it's very easy for women to come in feeling very very low confidence because that's just kind of how it feels in the field for us so and if 100%. you come
0: in saying like I don't know everything if you keep discounting yourself then you you feel like or you give people a certain view of you and you feel like you don't if you don't meet their expectations of you then it'll be okay cuz you told you said yourself first like oh yeah. i didn't know it so right. you were the first one to say it so they can't say anything to you cuz you already right. knew you didn't know it you know what right. i mean
1: and so. it it messes with your own mindset about yourself like if you're if you don't have confidence like you're you know you're, you're not going to be able to fix that you that that's how you view yourself and other people are obviously going to view you like that too if you're viewing yourself like that god it's such a cycle so it's yeah. interesting that you bring that up but did have yeah. you like tried? I mean, obviously I'm sure you tried to work on not saying I don't know anything, but was like,
2: (laughs) like, have you found yourself doing
1: that less over time?
2: Yeah. So I definitely have. Um, and that's something that I've worked on as like, since I've been in industry is Mm -hmm. how I speak about myself. Mm -hmm. Um, because again, just as you guys were saying, like the way you speak about yourself, the things you say, give people a perception of who you are. Um, And so another thing I used to say all the time was, oh, I just have a a dumb question. Right. Or this is going to be a really stupid question. And I realized that the more I said that, the more I believed I was stupid Mm -hmm. and the more I gave off that I don't know anything. Right. So I've moved on to saying things like, oh, hey, I have this really quick question. Or can you clarify this for me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I found that it does Change how I feel about myself. Yeah.
1: So, moral of the story queens don't apologize and queens also don't say that they have stupid
2: questions and that they don't know anything. So, 100%. I'm going to get that. That's going to be my next tattoo. Walk That's out. So long. In- <laughs> I need There's to two- make, like,
0: we need to start making t shirts. Yes, I agree. No, but seriously, I think that those are really great pieces of advice because the way you talk about yourself greatly affects your mood and people should be more aware of that. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, You mentioned that it's really important to, when you're looking for a job, not finding the best job, but Mm -hmm. finding a place that you enjoy working. And I know that you work in industry, but that kind of translates into academia too, because I'm, like not searching for a job, but I'm searching for an advisor. And it kind of feels like a job hunt because I have Mm -hmm. to network and talk to all these professors. And I came into grad school thinking I need to find the perfect research opportunity for me. Like I need to find where I can freaking make any or an amazing clean energy source that will save the planet and we won't die from climate change. But. I'm realizing that that is definitely not going to happen because there are so many things you have to consider. Um, The professor's funding, are they taking students? Is their group even chill? All of these (laughs) things. So the professor that I'm now leaning towards is in a uh, research field that I'm interested in. It's material science engineering, but it's nothing to do with clean energy. So that's where it's like, yeah, 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 I know, material (laughs) science. But- (laughs) that's where it's kind of tough because you know you kind of have to like trade but also I really like the people in his group they seem awesome so I'm kind of at this point where I have to
1: choose one over the other knowing you too Kim um you're also like a super social person so having like a good group of people too especially like you have to be social with them and you like being social so exactly that's like really important but also McKinley you're also a very social person at least from what I know I don't know we haven't talked about because I'm like, I, I consider am. myself an introvert extrovert. This is off topic now, but mm-hmm. I don't no, know no, if you consider funny. yourself an extrovert. <laughs> but you seem like a very social person from what I know of you. Yeah. But have you like, there's a there's that stereotype often that um, engineers are very antisocial. Have you like ever encountered that? And have people ever made comments about, about that since you're kind of the opposite? Or like, have you ever found a way to like combat against that stereotype, I guess? So, I mean... This is going to be a
2: bad answer, but I there are no bad just answers. My Queens don't have bad answers. <laughs> You're right, we don't. I'm sorry. Um, I'm not sorry. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, this queen will continue. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of my personality. I am super outgoing, super bubbly. I like to say good morning, and I'm I'm the person that walks down the hallway and just smiles, mm-hmm. and that's who I am. Yeah. Um. I think the way that I've broken that stereotype the most is people ask me what I do and they're surprised when I tell them I'm an engineer. Um, mm-hmm. So I think just being who I am has started to break down that stereotype. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that that stereotype is kind of garbage. I think that's an outdated stereotype. Yeah. Um, I think the media's portrayal of what an engineer should be yes. is like, rooted based a lot on like big bang theory for a great example right right. like sheldon cooper yeah how many sheldon coopers do you know i know like maybe two yeah you know i think engineers are a lot more like regular people than you know we get credit for yeah yeah people are like i don't know i feel like
1: there's such a stereotype about being antisocial and about like just not being able to communicate things well which is so interesting to me because literally 95% of engineering is communication Mm -hmm. and you cannot thrive as an engineer without being able to communicate well so clearly wherever that comes from people just don't understand that that literally is most of your job because it's such an important part um so like I yeah I agree I think the media definitely portrays that a lot and then people have that perspective and I I mean I do agree I definitely have met antisocial people through like that are engineers. but I think I agree, I think it's way outdated in that it's it's not very fair for people to assume that because you have to be a good communicator to be an engineer. So um, I think the issue is that um,
0: a lot of people expect people in politics or whoever's communicating to be mm-hmm. very eloquent and have all this fluff to their language, whereas right. engineers are trained to be concise. So right. people don't like this concise, or this like these concise conversations because it makes them feel like maybe the person doesn't know enough or they're not communicating properly but I'm communicating in the most effective way possible True. you're just not used to it you're not used to the bluntness yeah exactly the fastest uh, way to to the end of the conversation <laughs> exactly so I don't know I, I I think that's that contributes to that yeah. um And it's tough. But I I like what you said, McKinley, that you're just trying to be yourself. I mean, that's what this whole podcast is about, right? Just us trying to be our unfiltered selves. Unfiltered. In this society where people tend to put boxes on other people and they have this whole idea formed. And that's why I would like to see some sort of show where the – Lead is some female or some minority who's an engineer, but they're the most social person we've ever seen, and they're yeah. also an actress and a model and a doctor.
2: <laughs> right? <laughs> like, come on, Hollywood! You have your idea right there. You're not asking it's for very much. It's practically written.
1: It's practically written. It's not asking for very much. Okay, just get on that. No, exactly. Okay, it's possible, though. All right, it is I possible, think- and we're already are making strides with that show we talked about. And yes emily's wonder lab
2: but if i can interject and if i can ask you guys a question Please while we're yes. on the topic of stereotypes um this was something that i had heard at school of minds and not trying to speak poorly on them um but have you guys ever heard of ribs or ratio induced bitch syndrome no what? <gasps> what is that i'm so hey. intrigued oh uh. So I could make a whole podcast on this, so I won't <laughs> talk on it too long. Um, no, please spend all the time you need. <laughs> um, so uh, my class for some background was 70-30 male to female. That was the ratio. Right. And so RIBS was this idea that because for every one girl, there were two guys, mm-hmm. it gave women this air of superiority, So if a woman, um, I think the best way to put it, so like if a guy asked a girl out and she said, no, um, it wasn't because she wasn't interested. Um, part of it had to do that, that she had ribs that basically because she was the minority, she had adopted this like bitch personality and thought she was better than she was. Right. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Kim's losing it over here. (laughs) But so that's something that I had to overcome is, is how can you be a confident woman, you know, and be able to admit like, yes, I'm smart. Like, yes, I deserve to be here. When you have people knocking you down all at the same time, telling you that ribs is a thing. So that's something that I've had to work on quite a bit.
1: Uh, So I've never heard of that, but I'm honestly not surprised that people have come up with this term because one way or another, go ahead.
0: Um, Can you put it in the context of like how this would be applied in one of your classes? Because I I get the dating scenario, but just like with a homework assignment or something.
2: Um, So, yeah, like an example would be let's say you're in a group project and Mm -hmm. the girl is trying to take the lead. um, And, you know, maybe she's being kind of bossy and, you know, she's the only girl. They might be like, oh, she has ribs, like, or just if you, like, if your personalities don't match, they might, like, because you're confident, because, you know, you know how you feel about certain things and you're not afraid to voice your opinion, you might be considered a having bunch. ribs rather because, than being because, a confident woman who's yeah, capable. Of exactly,
1: because people cannot stand the thought of a woman being confident in herself and being smart that they have to put a fucking label on it and have an yeah. explanation for it exactly. It makes no sense. And that is about them <laughs> basically.
0: Yeah. Wow. I am absolutely appalled. The thing is I, I shouldn't be though, because they're really like, I I've definitely experienced this. I've been called a bitch before just because of, of how confident I am and the way yeah. I'm bossy and everything or quotations bossy. I don't see it right. as being bossy. I see it as me being a leader, but whatever. Um, the thing is you had an actual acronym for it and that's why I'm so shook right now but like I think a lot of women experience this in their engineering classes because Michaela and I have talked about this before where we kind of feel like we have to act this super defensive way because you know you have to put you have to be on guard all the time otherwise someone might catch you slipping and then it's almost like it's your fault but it really isn't you know
2: A hundred percent. It's raising a generation of timid women who believe that they can't have a voice. Also, I'd like to just make this comment that, um, that was the minority at the School of Minds. The school is a wonderful uh, place to get a great education and 99% of the guys that go there are absolutely amazing and, you know, great human beings, but there's that few percentage. So
0: McKinley, it sounds like you, when you were studying in undergrad you had a very male dominated ratio because it was 70 to 30 and i would say like since you're working in chevron you work in the oil and gas industry that's a pretty male dominated field as well right yeah it is okay so <laughs> have you worked anywhere else like is this industry is this the primary industry that you've worked in before and how how's the ratio there oh
2: great question so um no Uh, This was not the only industry that I've worked in. Uh, My very first internship was actually in a steel mill out in Indiana. Um, A great place for a female engineer. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So for some context in that uh, situation, I was, I believe there were three females in Mm. our 200 person division. Oh my God. (laughs) Yes. And I was the only female engineer. Oh my God. Yes. So for some background, that's setting the scene. Um, and you know, I absolutely loved it. It was my first real opportunity. I was, wow, I'm getting old. Yeah, I was 20. (laughs) Um, and you know, I, it was huge. It was a manufacturing site. They had a gigantic, furnace that they would basically drill into and let hot iron drip into a trough and, you know, it go into a submarine car that was all insulated and go on to the next division. So cool. So for my first experience in in engineering, I really couldn't have asked for anything better. Hmm. Um, Well, maybe more female representation, but we'll get on to that. (laughs) Uh, We'll get off that soapbox. Anyways. um, And then my next internship, immediately after that, I went back to school and got a co-op working more in like a lab setting. Mm -hmm. And so I was doing failure analysis and I went from this very, uh, for lack of a better term, like dirty place, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was covered in dirt walking around in steel toes to um, a very clean lab environment. I would, you know, make samples and use our scanning electron microscope. Um, And I realized the thing that I missed the most was, uh, the manufacturing side of things. Mm -hmm. I loved walking through equipment and just being in awe at how big things were and how complex the processes were. And so I knew I wanted to get back into manufacturing and kind of by luck wandered upon the Chevron booth at our career fair, um, Mm -hmm. talked Mm -hmm. to a materials engineer there. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another, got my internship and really never looked back. So I didn't plan on being in oil and gas, but I'm enjoying the the experience. That is really awesome.
0: And wow, I, I'm still so shook about the three women the out three. of
1: 200 people. And that you, that even amongst those three women, you are the only engineer. Like that. Right. Can I just say a steel mill in Indiana? <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, it's not, you know, it's not the most female friendly. It's really um, not. Yeah and there was an instance um you know an older gentleman probably his daughter was 30 um for some context and no. um making inappropriate comments oh, about me no. not to me thankfully cuz i might have punched him <laughs> i would support um, you <laughs> but to not only the interns that i was working with but also the full time employees wow um, comments, how is she looking? Oh, God. Hey, have you ever seen her in a bathing suit? Oh, um, just like absolutely disgusting comments. And I remember having a choice of, I could say nothing because it didn't happen to my face. I didn't right. have to work with him in any sort of proximity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could ignore it or I could go and I could talk to my boss at the time and mm-hmm. tell them, What had happened, Mm -hmm. and I ultimately decided um, to tell my boss because while I wasn't shaken up about it, or as shaken up about it as I could have been, Mm -hmm. I wanted to protect whatever female comes in after me um, to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we can be doing now is standing up for your female coworkers mm-hmm. calling people out when they do things that they shouldn't but also giving your female coworkers the space to tell their own story and have their own voice
1: yeah damn dude good for you for bringing that to your boss especially like that i don't know i don't know if i could say i would do the same i mean i should you know if that ever happened to me but that really really takes some courage Um, Even if it was never said to your face, like just bringing that up and having that conversation is so incredibly difficult, especially with a superior who I'm sure, I mean, I'm not saying anything about your boss. I don't know. I'm sure they are great, but that just, who, regardless of who it is that you're talking to, to have to bring that up, gosh. So good for you. I totally agree that that is like the best thing you can do for not only for yourself, but for any other females in that workplace or anywhere really Um, that, yeah. I mean, I know. Kim, you said that when you kind of had a similar experience, you um, ended up bringing it up to the organization too, which both of you guys. Yeah. And
0: I don't know, McKinley, if you felt the same way, but um, I I know our situations were very different, but was it hard for you, especially because you were an intern?
2: So the hardest part for me was the fact that it was said to coworkers, Mm -hmm. right? I didn't necessarily care that it was said to the interns because, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, basically the hardest part for me was um, that it was said to, to full-time employees there. Yeah. Um, and that they would have a say in what happened to me the next summer. You know, they had a say yeah. in, will mm-hmm. she come back? And I didn't want them to wonder what had she done to bring that up because I didn't know them well enough to know if they would have taken my side completely. Right. Um, and also which I like, think was the hardest part.
1: It makes you wonder if you had gone back the next summer, gotten that offer, if you would have gotten it for the right reasons or if that talk had somehow made its way around and that was, you know, any sort of influence.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: So yeah, God, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And I hate that that's such a common theme. Like I've talked to so many women in the field that have some sort of similar experience. And so, yeah, again, kudos to you for bringing that up. And I'm glad I, I hope you never have an experience like that again. Um, but I totally agree that I think one of the best things you can do is, is bring it up so that we can make change about that, you know, cause if you don't say anything, there's no way it's going to be fixed. Exactly. So, yes. Thank you for, for being brave enough to bring that up too, because I know that's a hard subject. Um, I guess kind of going off that and to close it up here, um, Obviously, what the experience you just talked about clearly says that a lot needs to be changed within the field. But is there anything in particular that you think um, could be a first step towards when it comes to women empowerment and just general minority representation within engineering and within STEM?
2: Yeah. So I'm probably the second least qualified person to talk on this because um, I'm not a minority. The first. (laughs) The, um, uh, you know. I am, I'm a a white, straight, blonde, female engineer. Um, But, you know, I really think we need the voice of the majority. We need the support of the men in industry currently. Yeah. Yes. And we need them to advocate in ways that are actually beneficial and not ways that they think they're helping. Yes. They need to be able to have that conversation with their female coworkers and really understand what the female and the minority populations need from them to be empowered. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it's great because the three of us right here and, you know, everyone currently in industry, we are, you know, what the kids growing up look to. Like, right. we are the role models, we are setting the stage for the kids that come behind us. And, you know, the the one thing that I can hope is that we pave the way and we give more women, more people of color, more members of the LGBTQA, I think I'm missing a plus anyways, plus, yeah. Um, more role models of people that they can look up to and people that they can envision themselves as growing right. up and in the future.
1: Right. Yeah. I totally agree with that, and I and and off of that too. There's so much room for improvement, like it's crazy and growth and all of that kind of stuff. But it is interesting to look back at what how things used to be, and like even just talking to my mom from her generation, like you know she's a computer scientist and just stuff that she went through just 20 years ago. You know, like we have come a long way, which is amazing to see. And so I'm hoping you know in the next 20 years we can have even more growth since where where, where we are today, um, but. But yeah, I agree. It's it's a slow process, but things are happening and we just need to keep, keep pushing for it. And I agree having, it's really, really key, like you said, to have the majority on our side. I think that's really, really important. So thank you. That was, I love that.
2: Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm here you, all week. She's yeah, she's here all week. <laughs> <laughs> she's actually gonna start her own podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe with this cute little mic. I kind of yeah. like it. I might
0: do it. Please <laughs> do. It can be called filtered
2: and it's like (laughs) uh it'll come on exactly after your guys's podcast and it'll just be a rerun but with like words bleeped out it'll be great for the children
1: i would i would listen to that just saying that would be well good um well anyways thank you so much for being here this i really really enjoyed this conversation and i think you brought up a lot of good points um and it was really fun to talk to you so of
2: course thank you both so much for having me
1: yeah this is awesome um any last words of advice or wisdom
2: stay in school don't do drugs um yeah some drugs (laughs) Uh, don't do drugs if you have to pass a drug test how about that okay i can't tell other people what not to do but fair enough
1: all right that's my piece of wisdom okay well Kim you want to take it away McKinley you have to join us in on this okay follow suit Kim you want to take it away yeah. okay okay my name's McKimberly my name's
2: Michaela. my name's McKinley
1: and this, this is, is unfiltered, is unfiltered.
2: <laughs> <laughs> good job everyone bye
1: hey, everyone thanks okay. for listening have a good night <laughs> good night